This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Thanks so much for being with us this morning. Well, this past week, you likely heard some of the back and forth between B.C. and Alberta. The premier in this province saying that B.C. was looking to restrict the increase in bitumen shipments. B.C. put that forward. We then heard from the Alberta premier, Rachel Notley, saying that that move was unconstitutional, even making a call to the prime minister to act to end the ongoing dispute. It was a topic at the town hall in Nanaimo, the raucous uh, town hall meeting in Nanaimo. Uh, But what does all the back and forth really mean? And the threats about uh, perhaps not purchasing power, one of the uh, issues that Alberta brought out. Well, Kent Fellows is a research associate with the School of Public Policy at the University of Calgary and joins us on the line to talk a bit more about this. Uh, Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, What do you take from the back and forth? Clearly, two premiers of the provinces, B.C. and Alberta, not in agreement on this. Yeah, I think as Canadians, you know, we always try to think of us uh, being able to get along on these things. But there's there's a a pretty rough history of of interprovincial trade, um, and I think this is unfortunately the next big chapter in it. Uh, you've got an Alberta government that's very committed in trying to get these resources to market, and a BC government uh, that has uh, promised to do uh, what, what was what was the phrase? Use every tool in the toolbox to sort of frustrate that purpose uh, when it comes to Trans Mountain. So there's a lot of heated rhetoric about this, and and we could actually see some pretty significant economic damage sort of from these trade war-esque skirmishes between these two provinces. When Rachel Notley says talks are suspended when it comes to Alberta purchasing power from B.C., how important is that? Well, I I think, uh, um, I mean, you have to look in the long term here. Um, B.C. definitely would have looked at Alberta as a potential market for the Site C dam, the, the mega project. Um, to the extent that that plays into that that project's viability, uh, I'm not sure. I've heard different opinions on that. One side says, no, no, I mean, they'll have to be able to sell that electricity to Alberta to make that investment pay off. And then the other side is going to say, no, no, I mean, the, the, the whole thing with Site C Dam was this is this is a uh, B.C. project for B.C. Um, but regardless of which side you're on there, it still definitely hurts because uh, there were revenues to be made, there were gains to be made, there was a return to be made on selling that electricity into Alberta. Uh, I think historically that flow has been more Alberta-BC, that Alberta sells uh, surplus electricity to BC um, because BC is a little bit better at, at storing energy um, through through the hydro projects. You can sort of run up the volume behind the dam and, and buy Alberta electricity instead of running your own uh, hydro projects. And then when the price changes, you run your own hydro project. Um, but I think with Site C, we were sort of expecting that to, to maybe go in the other direction uh, with the net being BC, Alberta. So that's potentially a big impact there, and it will uh, affect the underlying economics of that investment. Could it also be a negative, uh, though, or have a negative uh, impact on Albertans who and Alberta as a province that was planning to purchase power from that project? Uh, absolutely. I mean, there's a reason that these two provinces trade, and it's it's because uh, they both get a good deal. You know, every transaction has a buyer and a seller, and uh, if the transaction's going forward, you can pretty well assume that, that they're both getting a good deal. You know, it's like when you go and buy anything from the store, you want it more than the store does. Um, so this is really a case where, you know, both of these provinces, to a certain extent, are sort of cutting off their own nose despite their own face, which is the nature of trade wars. Um you know, they, they hurt you, and, and you sort of hope that they hurt your opponent more than they hurt you uh, so that one of you actually backs down. 
And what about the issue of it's a pipeline? It is something that comes under federal jurisdiction. Can the premier of BC, uh, granted, he can say we're going to use every tool in the toolbox to to although he's not saying stop it, he's saying to protect BC's best interests. But at the end of the day, is it not a federal project? Uh, so I think it is a federal project, and, and um, you know we have the National Energy Board ruling now. Uh, we have uh, the federal government's ruling, the Liberal government um, giving it the certificate of public necessity that it needs to go ahead. That being said, you can still do a lot of damage to a project that's got approval even without jurisdiction. Uh, as the BC government plays up this rhetoric very, very publicly, uh, what you get is you're going to get investors that end up being nervous. Uh, and if you get enough investors that are nervous enough, uh, at some point, Kinder Morgan may end up looking at that project and saying, you know what, we're going to wash our hands of this. It's just been too much frustration. Um, I don't think that's the outcome we're going to see, and I don't. I hope that's not the outcome that we see here, um, because that has uh, detrimental implications for other investments further down the line. You know, if it happens with this pipeline, uh, maybe if you get an LNG facility that's near that stage, it happens there, or it could even happen outside of the energy sector. Once there's uncertainty in investments in any jurisdiction, that will build, and that makes it harder and harder to get investment in the next one, regardless of what that industry is. Um, so I think that's really the danger here. I'm, I'm not sure that it's a, a sort of a constitutional or a legal authority on the part of BC, uh, but it is just frustrating that investment to the purpose where um, there's a potential they could just give up. And is it is it odd to see such a disagreement between two provinces, especially when we're talking about two premiers who are both uh, New Democrats, uh, to see this fighting going on and to have such a different stance on a project like this? Um, I will say, you know, in, in, in the history of Canada, this is, you know, we, we have provincial infighting, uh, so I'm not sure odd is the word that I would use, um, but, but sort of one thing to put this in perspective, I mean, we've got a, a, a federal liberal government in, in Ottawa, uh, we've got um, an NDP majority in Alberta and a, a conservative minority in Alberta, and also a, um, a conservative party in Saskatchewan that are all for this pipeline. Uh, so the, the BC kind of does look like the odd man out here. Of course, that is because BC is getting the risk uh, from the transportation. So there's no denying that. So I think um, I think they have a right to be concerned, and I think this government has a right uh, to be involved. That being said, I think they exercised that right when they were an intervener in the NEB hearings, because that's really the time to bring up these problems. That's the time to discuss them, and they did. Uh, and the NEB and the federal government still approved the pipeline. Uh, exactly. And he, and he was questioned about it uh, quite a few times uh, when Justin Trudeau was in Nanaimo uh, on Friday. And uh, I found it interesting because his answers, he kept repeating the fact that they had uh, not gone ahead with Northern Gateway as if people had forgotten that. But he was using it as a, well, look, look at the great things we've done. We, we realize this one pipeline was bad. This one is good and really trying to sell it that way. Yeah. I mean, and, and one of the fundamental differences between the Trans Mountain expansion and Northern Gateway is uh, Northern Gateway would have been a brand new right of way the whole way along. I mean, that's that's brand new surveying, that's new water crossing. Trans Mountain, to a large extent, and, and we tend to lose perspective on this, it's a twinning of an existing line. I mean, that line is there. You don't have to resurvey, uh, and for the most part, uh, anywhere they can, they're just putting a new pipeline down beside the existing pipeline. Uh, so these these are different, um, but I think, you know, looking back at, at the Prime Minister's response, uh, this does sort of underlie kind of the difficulty we're in with pipelines. Uh, if you look at that sector, uh, you know, Energy East is, is now dead on the table. Um, Northern Gateway uh, is dead on the table. Um, 
you know, Keystone XL of the states kind of is in this everlasting limbo where six months from now the outcome could be completely different than it is right now. This is really the pipeline where where the industry thought they had certainty, and, and now we're finding out that uh, they have quite a bit less than we thought they did. Uh, we will continue uh, to watch this. Thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate uh, you making some time for us this morning. Thank you for your insight on this. Oh, it's been my pleasure. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, tune in, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.